This program is part of the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. For more shows like this, visit our website at CosmicPotato.com. Fifty years ago, the world was introduced to the phenomenon that was Star Trek. Popular culture was changed forever, and eventually it became six television series and 13 motion pictures. People from all walks of life have been affected by it. Their lives have been affected by the lessons and the philosophies that they took away from it. This is the story of those fans. Interviews with individuals who love Star Trek and believe that their lives are better because of it. This is their prime direction. Hey everybody and welcome to The Prime Direction, the Star Trek fandom podcast. My name is Sean Ray and on this episode my guest is the associate editor for the tracking board as well as co-host of the Millennial Falcon podcast, Miss Anya Crittenton. Anya, how are you tonight? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, the pleasure is mine. Uh, But before we start talking about Star Trek, why don't you tell me a little bit about what you do? What exactly is the tracking board? So the tracking board is an entertainment site Uh, with an emphasis on writing, screenwriting in the entertainment industry. Uh, We kind of function in two ways. We do entertainment news, you know, basic movie, television news, movie reviews, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But we also have what's called Launchpad, and we have various screenwriting competitions. So, like, one for pilots, feature films, manuscripts, and basically we have these competitions, and we choose winners, and they get you know, usually get signings with agents and things like that. So that's kind of everything the tracking board does. Yeah. A very short <laughs> explanation. Okay. Well, you live in California now. Where did you grow up? I actually grew up in California. I oh, grew did up you? here okay. in Los Angeles. Yeah. And then uh, I went to school in Washington, D.C. at American University. So that was my first big time away from here. Do you have uh, siblings? I do not. I am an only child. Oh, are you? Okay. Well, how early in life did Star Trek become a part of it? Um, when I was in the womb. <laughs> okay. Uh, because this is, this is one of my fun facts that I like to tell people. Uh, but my parents actually met at a Star Trek convention. That's awesome. In costume. <laughs> what were they? So. What were they dressed as? Uh, they were Deanna and Riker from Next Generation. Well, that's perfect. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So. You know, my Star Trek roots go way back. Okay. Well, tell me about your earliest memory of Star Trek for yourself. So my earliest memory, you know, I vaguely remember kind of seeing, like, the original series and that generation of my parents. Um, But, like, the clearest memory I have is uh, Star Trek Enterprise, uh, the show with Scott Bakula. Yeah. Um, I watched that when it was airing with my parents. Um, so I was, you know, still kind of young, um, but that was kind of, we watched it all together as a family every week. Yeah. Um, I know it doesn't have the best reputation in the Star Trek fandom, but I have a little fondness for it just because it was the one that I watched for the first time 
as a new show with my parents and it was kind of our thing. Yeah. I mean, I liked, I liked enterprise. There's a lot of people that uh, just didn't like the fact that they weren't continuing on with the timeline that they had already established and they were going backwards. But, you know, I was fine with it because, you know, it was, it was something a little bit different. And season four of enterprise is one of the best uh, seasons of star Trek that there is. As far as yeah. the, the, the Zendi uh, storyline and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, no, I thought there were a lot of really great storylines. Um, and, you know, it felt like they explored different things that the show hadn't explored yet. Uh, so I thought that was really exciting. I mean, you know, looking back on it, there it definitely had its shortcomings, but so did the rest of the Star Trek series. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, what can you do? Well, uh, so how long after you started watching that did you decide to go back and watch some of the uh, stuff that had come before that? Um, probably not until I got like closer to high school and everything. Um, you know, I had seen chunks of original series, next generation Voyager, just all of them kind of with my parents, they would watch a lot of reruns. And so I would watch it with them. Yeah. Um, but I feel like I didn't really kind of make it my, thing until the first J.J. Uh, Abrams movie came out in 2009 um, and I really liked it and so I kind of went back myself um, watched the entire original series um, I haven't seen all of Next Generation yet uh, but I've seen a lot of it uh, I'm actually really fond of Voyager Yeah. so I watched Voyager so kind of you know I started getting into it in high school a lot so which one of the series that you've seen so far is your favorite? I mean, Bush Comes to Sub, I would probably say the original series, but Voyager is a close second. Okay. Have yeah, you... if only for Catherine Janeway. And I, she is wonderful. Yeah, I kind of envy you in the fact that there's so much of it that you haven't seen yet. <laughs> because, I mean, I've, I've there's some that I haven't seen. I'm going back and doing a rewatch of Deep Space Nine right now. And I've gotten up to season five. And when season five was on originally, I was in my 20s and I was working and I didn't have time. It was before DVRs, you know, so I didn't yeah. I didn't have time to, to, to watch it as much. So I missed a lot of the last couple of seasons. And Voyager, same, same reason. I, I missed a lot of the last few seasons of that. So now that I'm going back and doing a rewatch, I'm watching episodes that I haven't seen. So it's like I'm watching a new, a new show. And... For you, there's probably a lot bigger chunks of it that you haven't seen than, than what I haven't seen. Yeah, and it's exciting. Deep Space Nine is the one that I'm least familiar with. Um, at some point, I really need to sit down and just watch all of Deep Space Nine. But I've seen all the original series movies, and um, I've seen the Next Generation movies. Because uh, those were coming out when I was growing up, and my parents went to see them, and I saw a couple with them in theaters. Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't as well-versed in the universe as they were, so I didn't get some of the things, but I have seen them all. Um, especially since I've really gotten into it in the past, you know, decade or so. I do want to go back and kind of watch all of it again, um, being older and being more familiar with the universe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, but it's exciting, you know, still getting to watch new things. Well, what was it about the original series that connects with you and makes it your favorite? I think two things. Uh, DeForest Kelly is Bones. Mm -hmm. Just short and simple, he's my favorite Star Trek character of all time. 
um, and I think he's wonderful. And I think the pure joy that the original series has, um, it's a lot of fun, and it's so well-meaning in a ways that, in ways that I think a lot of shows today aren't. Yeah. Um, and I just kind of relish the heart that the original series had. Would you have called yourself a rabid fan? No. <laughs> Although I think I think maybe I have some tendencies nowadays. Yeah. Did, yeah, definitely. Did you have uh, did you have any Star Trek toys or anything like that? I did. Yeah. Yeah. No, growing up my parents got me some stuff. I had my own little plastic phaser. Oh yeah. Um <laughs> yeah, that was kind of the one thing I'd run around using that. Um I always really wanted a communicator. When I was growing up, but now of course we have cell phones, so it's yeah. sort of like we do. Well, they're selling a communicator, or they haven't started selling it yet. But I saw an ad for it. There's a communicator that you'll be able to buy that'll connect with your phone through Bluetooth, and you'll tap it <laughs> and talk <laughs> and talk on it like it's an actual That's communicator. That's so cool, and it'll play. It'll have like the communicator sound. Yeah, so yeah, pro- I'm sure it will. <laughs> so. That's the only way to have one. Uh, that's really cool. I will have to look into that. <laughs> I think it's on. I think it's on ThinkGeek. ThinkGeek.com. So okay, okay. A little plug for ThinkGeek. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to go check that out. What? My parents still have their original costumes, like in their closet. Oh, really? Yeah. So I remember growing up, I would like see them and just look at them, and I thought that was so cool. Yeah, I've I've, I've been to a couple of conventions. I went to one Star Trek convention when I was a teenager, and then I've been to a few comic book conventions i've never dressed up but i see these guys that look like they just spend tons of money on these costumes there's one guy that comes to uh the convention that we have here in birmingham every year and he wears a screen accurate um original not the original series uniform but the one that they want that they wore in like star trek six okay he wears that that uniform and it's it's like almost like you like he stepped right out of the movie, you know. He's, I don't know how much he spends on it, but you know, you can feel the material. It's it's made out of good material and everything. It's not it's not cheap at all. So, <laughs> yeah, I've never been. Um, I've done some cosplay in my life, but it's never been kind of a big passion of mine. But I have friends who, you know, it's their big thing when they go to conventions, mm-hmm. and they work really hard on their costumes. A lot of them make their own costumes from scratch. Um, and I just have to admire what they do, especially when you have people dressing up as like Klingons and just like the makeup that they do and the wigs and the armor, like, and half of it, most of it's handmade and you're just like, that's dedication. Yeah. Well, that's impressive. you, um, was your Star Trek fandom something that you felt like you could be proud of or was it something you, you felt that you had to hide from people that you went to school with? Um... A little bit. I think, you know, a little bit when I was growing up, um, especially like watching Enterprise and stuff, it did feel like something that I didn't really share with a lot of my friends. I think partially because they weren't really into it. Yeah. Um, And I think Star Trek at that time still had somewhat of a social stigma, um, which has always been unfair. Um, But, you know, as a kid, I was much more openly a fan of Star Wars. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and I still am a huge fan of Star Wars. I love it a lot. Uh, but I've been able to kind of balance my love of Star Trek as well. Yeah. And, you know, I think, you know, whatever you think about the movies, the recent movies, um, they did do a lot to kind of bring Star Trek back into the light. And a lot of people are really excited about the series now, which I think is pretty cool. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of people like to compare and say, I like Star Trek more than I like Star Wars or vice versa. But in, I mean, in my opinion, they're not really comparable because Agreed. yeah, Star Trek is, is completely science fiction and Star Wars is more of a space opera fantasy story. Yeah. You know? it's a fantasy. Exactly. They're so different. Like they might both be set in space, but yeah. And even if they were both science fiction, there's still room to enjoy both. Yeah. I mean, it's wizards and sorcery and everything. They just, they have spaceships. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so. Exactly. So there's room to love both. And I do love both. Um, but you know, I think, I think Star Trek also just operates in a very different space in terms of the entertainment industry, but also in what it's saying on the whole. And I think it has a really great message. And so it was kind of a bummer that I grew up with it ha- kind of having this weird stigma about being, you know, for nerds and you weren't really cool if you liked it because mm-hmm. a lot of what it was saying was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's been my experience that even the people that were making fun of us for watching it, they were watching it too, <laughs> you know, yeah. because they knew what it was. They knew what a Klingon was and everything, even though they would make fun of you if you wore a t-shirt that had the enterprise on it or something like that. You know, when they went home at night and it came on every night at nine o'clock, they were watching it as well. <laughs> you know, so. Exactly. I mean, Star Trek was huge. I remember in college, um, I did a paper on television fandom and it started, my paper started with Star Trek because that was kind of the first version of a fandom for a television show. And, you know, those fans, they wrote into the network to keep it going for the three seasons that the original series lasted. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they were dedicated fans. And that's that's pretty cool to see. You know, even even with, you know, getting made fun of or the series kind of having a stereotype about it, they didn't let it get to them and they decided to pursue their love for the show instead right. which you know is the way to way to go so you said mccoy is your favorite character so what is it about mccoy that you like so much so here's the way i think about it is if you take the trio of spock kirk and bones mm-hmm. you have spock is the mind kirk is the soul and mccoy is the heart mm-hmm. and i always go for those characters who are all heart like you know when it comes to Lord of the Rings, my favorite race is the race of man. I love the very human characters who are reckless and they're passionate and they wear their heart on their sleeve. Mm-hmm. And that is Bones to me. He is just constantly just that warm-blooded, really passionate human. And that's why I've always loved him. And you said that your 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 entry into Star Trek was uh was through Enterprise. So who who was your favorite character on Enterprise? It was Malcolm. Oh, okay. I remember. Yeah, I remember it was Malcolm because I remember I had a thing growing up, which is still kind of the case, is that I never liked the main hero. I never kind of liked the main protagonist. I always liked one of the side characters, but always one of the good guys. Mm-hmm. Just happened to be a side character. So like. On Mal- on Enterprise, so I didn't. Captain Archer was fine, but he was my favorite. And then the other main guy was Trip, I think. Yeah, yeah, the first officer. Yeah, Trip was not my favorite, and I went to Malcolm because he was a little more off kilter, not kind of the hero, but still a good guy. And I found him really funny and likable, and so I always went for Malcolm. Yeah, that, that 
I've asked that question before, and not necessarily on the show, but to other people. But and usually, if it's somebody my age, they'll say Captain Archer just because they were fans of uh, Scott Bakula when he was on Quantum Leap. Yeah. Or they'll say if it's a guy, they'll say to Paul for obvious mm-hmm. reasons. <laughs> and yeah. if it's a girl, they'll usually say trip for obvious reasons. You know, they like, they like the Southern accent and they like the, that he's a good looking guy and everything. But I, yeah, I've never heard it. I've heard a couple of people say, uh, Hoshi, but I haven't heard anybody say Malcolm before. So. Hoshi. I remember liking Hoshi too, but yeah, no Malcolm. I don't know. Did you ever know the series? I'm sure you know of it, but, uh, Hercules, the one with Kevin Sorbo. Oh yeah. Yeah. So growing up that, was one of my favorite shows. Like, as a little kid, I loved just how adventurous it was. Mm-hmm. But his, like, best friend in the show, Eolus, mm-hmm. was always my favorite character. Yeah. So, like, when it comes to Harry Potter, I really like Ron. I always tend to go for kind of, like, the best friend. Right, okay. As opposed to the leading man hero type. Okay. So, yeah, hence Bones, Malcolm. Did you ever get into um, comics and novels and things like that as far as Star Trek goes? You know, I never did. I uh, I read the Star Wars novels. Oh, okay. Growing up, uh, but I never read any of the Star Trek novels. Um, and I actually don't know a lot of people who do. Funny enough, I have friends who are big Star Trek fans, but they never really got into the books or comics either. I used to read them a lot, especially in high school. Um, I'm trying to get into now. They've had a series of them that's come out since uh, Star Trek Nemesis that takes place after Nemesis. Okay. That I'm trying to get into that series. There's about ten books that come after that. I'm just trying to read just to see what they did because they kind of, you know, in my opinion, they kind of dropped the ball with Nemesis a, a little bit and see if they yeah. if they ever got it back. I don't know. Yeah, I remember one of my speaking of like Nemesis and just the like the Next Generation movies and stuff. Those had a really big impression on me growing up. Um, I think especially the Borgs. I remember just as a kid, the Borgs had a huge impression on me. Yeah, First Contact. Yeah. yeah. And they just, I don't know, they were unlike anything I had like seen before in media. And I remember just as, as a kid, they were just fascinating and scary. And I can remember them so vividly from childhood. Well, um, did you ever watch any of the uh, original series movies? Yeah, I've seen all the original series movies. What do you think of those? Which one Which one is your favorite? Is it cliche to say The Voyage Home? No. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I like the fun of The Voyage Home. Like, yeah. it's such a fun movie. Um, I, it's funny, Star Trek has that, um, they have that, that, the stereotype, I guess, or the, the pattern of, like, odd-numbered movies not being great and even-numbered movies being great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it does hold true somewhat. I mean, I think, uh, Star Trek motion picture is not a great film. Um, it's a little slow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, Wrath of Khan is really great. Voyage Home is great. Um, but yeah, Voyage Home is definitely the favorite. Um, and what about, I know you said, uh, uh, First Contact is your favorite, um, yes. Next Generation movie. What did you think about... We, I mean, you weren't a really big Next Generation fan when it went off the air. You, you may, what, what year were you born? I was born in '92. Okay, so you were only like two years old when Next Generation went off the air, so you don't yeah, even remember so that. So. I did not watch it live. Yeah, my parents did, um, but no, I never did. And I know, you know, I've seen 
most, if not all of it, at this point in my life. Um, I've never, like, sat down to watch the whole thing kind of straight through, but I've seen so much of it through just watching it on Netflix myself mm-hmm. or through my parents watching it and watching reruns. Um, and it is one of the better series, I think. Um, I think it might... I could maybe say objectively the best series, um, even if it's not my personal favorite. And yeah, I think, you know, Patrick Stewart as Picard is absolutely fantastic oh yeah 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 um well how did you um how did you feel about um nemesis because you were probably older by the time that one came out you probably knew a little bit more about what a good movie is and what a bad movie is (laughs) yeah i um i think i remember nemesis god when did that come out that came out when i was it was like 2002 or three i think something like that yeah so i was like 10 and I remember, oh, yeah, that's the one with Tom Hardy mm-hmm. where he plays that weird clone. Yeah, yeah, clone of Picard. Of Picard, yeah. I remember thinking it was so weird as a kid. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, ad- I will admit that I haven't gone back to see it, um, to watch it again since I've, like, been an adult to really kind of give that impression of it, but... I remember the kid thinking it was weird, but also finding it really fascinating. Um, and I think one of the more striking of the Star Trek films, I think you could say it, yeah. it had kind of a, a bigger effect than the other ones had. Yeah. Visually it was, well, I mean, it was a lot different. They were, they were trying, yeah. they were purposely trying to do something different. Um, and and it ended up making them not be able to make any more movies. <laughs> you know? so, yeah. Because uh, by that time, the characters, the actors had been playing those characters for about 15 years and they were ready to move on to other things. And the, I don't know if the fans were just, if they were just tired of the next generation or, or what it was, but it just, it didn't make the money that they needed it to make to be able to keep making Star Trek movies. So it went away for, a long time uh, until uh, 2009 when the when the J.J. Abrams movie came out. But yeah. I, before we started I talking just, about, um, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was gonna say I just looked it up. So Nemesis came out the same weekend as Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Well, there you go. <laughs> and Lord of the Rings: The Two Towers. Yeah. And a new James Bond film. Yeah, it makes you wonder if they even looked to see what was coming out the weekend that they were scheduling their movie to come out. Yes, yeah. and uh, so not like the exact same weekend, but Harry Potter came out in November. Um, Lord of the Rings had come out the week before, so it was just all around the same time. Um, as a kid, I was obsessed with Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. So I have a feeling by that time, I was probably a little distracted. Um by the fantasy stories that were coming out. But yeah, I remember I remember in two thousand nine when the new Star Trek movie came out, it was a big deal. Yeah, they, um how did you feel about that first movie? I loved it. Yeah. I still love it. I think I saw it like nine times in theaters. Mm-hmm. I fell so in love with that new movie. Um and I still think it's great. I still think it's so much fun. And uh, I'm, you know, people can say what they want about J.J. Abrams, but 
that first film to me just felt like it really revitalized the franchise and it gave it kind of new blood. And I think the new cast is fantastic. Yeah, that's the one thing that most people won't argue about. I mean, you you get a lot of arguments with people, um, and it really just depends on how old the person is and how long they've been into Star Trek. Some of the people that have been around since the 60s that love the original series don't like the new movies as much. Um, I kind of come in the middle because I didn't, I got into Star Trek during the next generation time, and, and I, I love the original series. I've seen it every episode multiple times and i like the, the 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 first movie the second movie i'm a little uh iffy on what'd you feel yeah, about think, the second movie oh i didn't like it at all yeah okay that was terrible <laughs> um just awful i i think it, it's actually really funny to me how much the recent movie that just came out which i'm sure we'll talk about i feel like it tried very hard to kind of just pretend like into darkness never happened yeah yeah uh, but I thought Into Darkness was terrible. I mean, the con, and it wasn't even the con thing. Like, the con thing was bad and unnecessary. But the movie as a whole, regardless of the con plot twist, was just a not great film, kind of really slowly paced, uh, very forgettable. It just didn't feel like Star Trek. Yeah. The con part didn't bother me. What bothered me was the Kurt death scene at the end. That also bothered me. Yeah, and the the, the and I've I've said this on this show before, so listeners forgive me for saying it again. But <laughs> when uh, when Kirk and Spock, when Spock died in Star Trek Two, at that point, Kirk and Spock had been together as friends and on the same ship for fifteen plus years, and so when Spock died, Kirk was basically saying goodbye to his brother. You know, and and in Into Darkness, we're supposed to have the same emotional reaction to characters that have only known each other for a couple of years. Yeah. And 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 they flip it and make it so that Kirk dies and 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 Spock is the one saying goodbye. And they telegraph the whole thing earlier in the movie when Bones is sitting there saying, "Oh, I'm trying to find out. You know, I'm doing this experiment on this Tribble because this uh, because Khan's blood can bring it back to life and stuff like that. It's like, okay, well, yeah. somebody's going to die and you're going to bring them back to life. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting um, that you bring up the Kirk and Spock relationship. Um, it's, it's, it's always funny to me because the Kirk and Spock relationship has never been nearly as fascinating to me as Kirk and Bones. Mm-hmm. I find their friendship, um, I don't know, I guess just the heart of their friendship gets to me a little bit more. Um but for me, the real problem I had with Kirk dying was that there was no consequence from it. Like, when Spock died in Wrath of Khan, you had an entire next movie dedicated to that, to the search for Spock. Mm-hmm. It was it was a huge event that had very big consequences on the universe and the franchise. Whereas Kirk died in Into Darkness, and in the same movie, was brought back to life and joked about it and... Therefore, it kind of gave the impression that like dying and sacrificing himself and kind of being that leader didn't actually didn't actually teach Kirk anything because there were no consequences. He was brought back to life. Yeah, nothing bad happened. So, what did that teach Kirk? It taught him that he can do these reckless things and there won't be a consequence. Mm-hmm. And so, I felt like that kind of missed the point of Wrath of Khan. 
Well, you know that uh, Spock wasn't originally supposed to come back. The uh, I feel like I have heard that. Yeah, the original story is in Star Trek Two is that he dies, and that's the end of the movie. The uh, test audience didn't like it, so they added the whole part of them putting his uh, his body into the Genesis device, or putting it on the Genesis planet, and mm-hmm. uh, and leaving that open. And Leonard Nimoy didn't even know that they had done that until he was at the premiere and he saw it. And and, oh. and he he said to his wife, I'm going to be getting a call from Paramount pretty soon. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> well. they called him and said, we want you to come back. We're going to do a whole uh, movie uh, about bringing Spock back. And he said, um, I'll do it, but you have to let me direct a movie, you know? So that's, I don't remember if he directed Star Trek three. I know he directed Star Trek four. So that's, that's how he got that gig. (laughs) I mean, you know, more power to him. Yeah. Like I would do it. (laughs) (laughs) So Star Trek is absolutely a science fiction show, but inside of that genre, there's a lot of different kinds of episodes. There's like planetary discovery episodes. There's time travel. There's courtroom dramas. There's episodes that focus on Klingons and Ferengi. So which kind of Star Trek episode do you find yourself liking the most? So I think there are a couple. Um, I really love the ones that, that like travel back in time and take really ridiculous premises. So, you know, you have in the original series, you have the ones that go back to the 1930s. Mm -hmm. I love that one. Uh, And then in next generation, when Jordy and data are Sherlock and Watson, uh, or the Robin Hood. That was uh, episode. yeah. The the Sherlock and Watson was one of their holodeck episodes. So. Yeah. 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 So I just I I love it when the show goes like ridiculous in camp. Yeah. I think it's a lot of fun, um, and I like that they kind of they're having genuine fun with it. They're not. They don't think it's ridiculous. They done very with a lot of heart. Uh, so I love those. But then I also really love the episodes that have something to say. And I think that's always one of my favorite things about Star Trek is that Gene Roddenberry always had something to say. Like Star Trek had a purpose uh, with what it was doing. One of my favorite episodes from the original series has become as a surprise to absolutely no one um, is For the World is Hollow and I Have Touched the Sky, which I don't think is one of the series' best episodes objectively, but I think it was a really great character piece for Bones, and I liked the message that the episode had. Yeah. So, yeah, so camp and then moral musings yeah. are my favorite episode types. I think you'll like uh, Deep Space Nine when you start watching it, um, just listening to you talk about it, because there's a lot of those, at least once in each uh, season, they have one of those campy-type episodes. There's one episode called... Our Man Bashir, which is about Dr. Bashir, um, in the hollow suite doing a James Bond fantasy. And the, the entire epi- the entire episode is like a James Bond movie. And <laughs> and um, then there's another one that I just rewatched the other night called Far Beyond the Stars, where Captain Sisko gets transported back to the 30s or 40s. But he's not himself. He's another. He's another person, and he, he. But he has memories that he can't. 
he can't figure out why he has these memories and he's a writer and he starts writing stories about these people that live on this space station in the future, <laughs> you know? So, uh, so there's a lot of episodes like that. I think you'll, I think you'll enjoy it once you start watching. That's it. what I love about Star Trek. Yeah. Is they're, they're like willing to go there. Yeah. And it's such a creative show. So are you excited about Star Trek discovery? I am so excited. I not only for more Star Trek, uh, but I am a huge fan of Brian Fuller. Uh-huh. He is one of my favorite creators that is working right now. I am, to the point of um, being obsessed with him. <laughs> I will watch pretty much anything he does. So the fact that he's doing Star Trek is, I think, a perfect combination. I mean, when he was at Comic-Con this year, everything he said about Star Trek was correct, was the right thing to say about the series. Yeah. And I think he just gets it. So I am so excited. Yeah. And you know they pushed it back. It's going to be. It's going to come out in May instead of uh, January. Yeah. Yeah, I, <laughs> I actually think it's good news myself because more time to yeah. Well, they haven't even no. they they were supposed to start filming it this month, and they haven't even cast it yet. So yeah. so if you've got a show that's supposed to come out in January and it's September and you haven't even cast it yet, or at least you haven't announced what the who the cast is, um, that's cutting it kind of close to make a Very. a good quality show. So an extra four or five months, I think, will will help because if you talk to Star Trek fans that have been fans for a long time, they'll tell you that the first two seasons of the next generation are not great. Yeah. And we don't want that on this show because we're living in a time now that if a show is not great right off the bat, it gets canceled pretty quick, you know? So, and we don't want that to happen. We want it, we want it to last as long as it can. So, yeah, are you excited for the new? Oh series? yeah, 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 yeah! I'm looking forward to it. Every story that comes out, I'm reading, trying to trying to figure out what, what it's going to be about. You know, it's uh, I know it's going to be set ten years before the original series, so it's kind of in between Enterprise and uh, and the original series. And I think it's going to be a good uh, starting point for people that probably like yourself that mostly know Star Trek from the new movies. And yeah. and not as much about the what we call the prime universe. Uh, mm-hmm. It'll be a good it'll be a good jumping in point for for those people because uh, you won't have to know as much about stuff that came before to be able to to enjoy what they're doing now. So yeah, I think it'll be good. I I think it'll also just kind of really capture the spirit of Star Trek. I mean, the things that Brian Fuller's done before, you know, he's always kind of done really good character work uh, with really good messages and Star Trek is a show all about its characters and its messages and so I think it's pretty exciting that we're going to have new series Um, I'm excited for another movie too I mean I really like the movie, I loved the recent one I thought Star Trek Beyond was fantastic yeah, it was the most like Star Trek out out of the three movies it felt more like Star Trek because the people behind behind it were Star Trek fans mm-hmm. and not yeah. so much just people that know kind of what goes on in Star Trek and we're going to write a script based, based on that. Yeah, so. exactly. And, and it felt like an episode. It felt like a original series adventure episode. Yeah. And you being a fan of uh, Enterprise, did you catch any of the, uh, the callbacks to Enterprise that were in the new movie? Uh, 
I'm trying to remember about Beyond, but I remember I caught the one uh, in the first movie when Kirk mentions Porthos, Captain Archer's dog. He he mentions it in the scene with Scotty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when he sees them for the when he meets Scotty for the first time, and I remember being really excited about that. Um, I'm trying to remember now if I caught any of the ones in Beyond, but I don't think I did. The, well, in in Beyond, there's a couple. First of all, um, the the bad guy whose name I can't remember, Kroll or Cole or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. He was part of Mako, which is from Enterprise. That was what kind of turned into the Federation. And they also referenced the Zindi at least once. You know, he he was telling uh, Kirk about how how much he hated becoming uh, just a regular Starfleet person and he wasn't able to be a a battle captain anymore and and, yeah. and he said something about fighting the Zindi, you know, so that that was a good callback to uh people that liked Enterprise because it tells you that even though in the O nine movie when uh Nero uh comes back in time and he changes the whole future, Enterprise is still left intact because it happened before all that. Yeah. So anything that happened before, you know, is is still the same as it would be in the prime universe. So, yeah. So, um, does what is what does Star Trek still do for you? What, what it hasn't been around in a regular series run for more than ten years, but there's still a lot of it that you haven't seen. So, um, what do you feel like anything has been missing from your life because you don't have a new Star Trek episode to sit down and watch with your parents every week? I think. I think the hope that the show has, I, this is something that I, I've often complained about, but there's a lot of things are so gritty right now and extremely cynical, um, trying to pass off as being realistic, but instead just come off as tired and cynical. And I'm, I feel like I'm getting overdosed on that. Yeah. It's fine in moderation, but I feel like that's all there is. Um, and, what I really miss about Star Trek is the hope that it had looking towards the future and kind of the brightness. It was just such a fun show and it really believed in humanity and in people coming together. I mean, that's the amazing thing about, you know, the original series is when you have people like Michelle Nichols and George Takai and you have someone in a series that came out in the Cold War, you have someone who's playing a Russian character yeah. on the main bridge. Um, so, you know, in a day and an age where we are talking a lot about diversity and it's something that means a lot to me, I miss the fact that Star Trek could do that so effortlessly and just kind of say, well, yeah, why not? You know, like, humans are great and we can come together like this. Mm-hmm. And so I think I really miss that about Star Trek. I think we need it right now. Yeah. Frankly. Yeah. Um, which is why I hope that the new series can kind of bring us that, you know, movies are great, but they only come around every few years. Yeah. And so I think having a series that's kind of in the conversation will be really good. Well, as a as a fan of Star Trek, this is something that I ask everybody that comes on the show. Uh, we're constantly exposed to little tidbits of philosophy and life lessons and things of that nature. So what do you think Star Trek did for you personally that you feel made your life better? 
So I think just like the hope that I mentioned, Mm -hmm. um, kind of working with your fellow man, regardless of creed or anything like that, um, you know, become just helping you kind of learn tolerance and patience and the ability to work together. But I think a really big thing for me, especially as a kid, uh, was space exploration. Um, it started a really big passion for science in me. Um, I'm not a sort of left brain person. I don't do like math and science don't come easily to me. Uh, that is not what I will ever have as a career. Yeah. But I really appreciate science and I really support it. Um, and you know, things like Star Trek, people like Neil deGrasse Tyson and Bill Nye and the entire NASA program. And so I think that kind of helped uh, instill a passion in science for me, especially space exploration. That's kind of the one that I've become really passionate about is I want to explore space further. Yeah. I want to find life outside of Earth. Um, and I think it's really important and a really cool thing that Star Trek helped cultivate kind of in the mass public and inspire people to become astronauts. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a really big one for me. Okay. Well, that's uh, that's pretty much all the questions that I had. Um, <laughs> where can people find you? Well, you can find me at the tracking board, of course. Uh, and you can also find me on Twitter at Anya Crittenton. And also, um, of course, as I mentioned, she's the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, she's the co-host of the Millennial Falcon. <laughs> yes, you can find me on the Millennial Falcon every Sunday. We have a new episode, and uh, we have our Twitter, which is at Falcon Podcast. All right. Well, thank you very much for being on the Prime Direction. Well, thank you so much, Sean. I had a great time. The Prime Direction is part of the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. It can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and of course on our website at CosmicPotato.com. Please be sure to leave us a review wherever you find the show. That will go a long way toward helping other people find the podcast. Every fan has a story. If you would like to come on the show and tell me the story of your Star Trek fandom, send me an email at mail at CosmicPotato.com. Remember, there are a lot of people that want to be on the show, so please be patient and I'll write back to you as soon as possible. Thank you for listening to the show. Be sure to look for more episodes as I continue to bring you more stories of Star Trek fans and their prime direction.